What is up, everybody? My name is Michael Ponerero, a.k.a. Sonic's number one fan, and this is the Bros and Consoles podcast, episode 30. That's crazy to say. We've been doing this for a little over eight months, I think. It doesn't feel like that at all. It's hard to believe we're on episode 30 already. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, you didn't come here to get nostalgic and talk about stuff like that you came here to listen about video games and what's going on in the video game world so i'm gonna jump right into it and talk about what i've been playing now i've been playing three games since the last time we've talked and they've all been on the ps4 now the first game i've been playing was a game that was on the psn store for i think 97 percent off and the original price was fifty nine ninety nine, and it, with the the discount, it was two ninety nine, and that was NBA two K nineteen. Now, I'll give you context here. I go through phases where I want to play a sports game, because as you know, unless I haven't said already, I feel like I have in the past. I'm a huge sports fan, and I'll go through phases wanting to play a sports game whether that being a Madden game or a baseball game like MLB The Show or NBA 2K NBA 2K games or even a wrestling game I go through these phases and luckily I went through one of these phases when this game was on sale so I picked it up and I started playing it now when I play these sports games I don't play the multiplayer I don't play the franchise mode or the GM mode, uh, which I should probably play the GM mode because I've heard it's really good. Um, I play the create your character mode or the story mode, whatever you want to call it. Now, in past NBA games, I'm not sure which one. I want to say it was either 16 or 17. There was a create your character or story mode in it that was different from what it used to be. It was like an actual like movie kind of thing. And this one was a Spike Lee joint. So he directed it, and that was pretty garbage. Not the fact that he directed it, but the story itself was pretty garbage. Um, the reason for that was there wasn't much gameplay going on. You didn't really get to choose what was going on with your character. It was like a set story path, and there was it was very dramatic and not in the good way dramatic like there was some like shady stuff and like betrayal it wasn't it didn't even feel like i was playing a basketball game which is not good in my opinion but luckily nba 2k19 was different in a sense their story mode was another like movie cinematic experience where you create a character and he goes through like these settings and stuff but this one was very similar to I think it was Madden 18, the one with Tom Brady on it, where that one was called the long shot, where you have your character, or you have a predetermined character that was for that story, and you just, you go through his journey trying to get into the NFL, and he was like in college, a very good college player, but then he had a really bad game, and then he dropped out, and then he tried to come back through like tryouts and stuff for the NFL, and very, very good story. Characters were good good ending very wholesome nba 2k19 was very similar to that although you got to create your own character from the beginning so your character was going through these story settings or story arcs in the mode 
And then they got actors in it from like Hollywood and other around all other places. Uh, motion capture. The story was good. You actually got to play these games. Um, and at the end of that, which it was called the prelude, um, you got to actually continue on with your character. So after the prelude ends, that cinematic experience, um, you'll get your own apartment. You get to go around the town and like buy things and upgrade your gear and player and play against other players and then do actually like seasons with your character, which I thought was really cool. Although I did just beat the prelude and I didn't jump into like that extra part of it because I got distracted by another game. And that other game was Marvel's Spider-Man. Now, I didn't buy this game when it came out originally. And Nathan talks very, very highly of it. So I did want to play it eventually. And it was on sale, so I bought it. And I'm about a fourth into it. And I'm really, really enjoying it. It reminds me a lot of Batman, the Batman games. And like a mix between Infamous, which is a very good thing. Not to say that's bad, because I enjoy both of those series. Um, the best part of the game, I feel like, is the swinging through the city. Like, I could do that all day, probably. Just not even beating up bad guys, not even doing the story. Just swinging through the city. That's all I want. No, but honestly, the story is very good so far from what I've played. Like I said, I think I'm only a fourth or a half into it, I think. But the character's good. Um... I want to know what's going to happen. It's like one of those stories that's that grips you. There's more characters that are appearing and stuff. So it's very good. Um, the only only downside, and it's not really a downside, because um, it's like a it's a double-edged sword kind of. Like I, I mentioned that it reminds me a lot of Batman and Infamous. That's a good thing, and also I guess kind of a bad thing because it's very similar to me. And although you're not really countering people you're dodging most of the time and stuff but the gameplay reminds me a lot of those games again i said like i said it's not a bad thing but i i guess i, I was just hoping for something a little more in, innovative innovative that's the word innovative um like there is there's gadgets and um upgrades you can get that enhances the gameplay and changes it up a bit but it is similar to batman and infamous but that's that would be like my only only critique i have on it so far so i will definitely jump back into it don't know if that'll be anytime soon because the next game or the last game that i've been playing has taken up all of my time and probably will be taking up all my time for the next couple weeks and that is judgment now this game is not a sequel to the aquas series or anything but it is set in the same world, same city, but it's different. Different characters, different story, just same setting. And it's by the company who did Yakuza, or the publisher. I'm going to say the name wrong. Ryuga Gotoku? Gotoku? I think it's how you say it. Hopefully. Um, as you know, I love, love the Yakuza series. It's, if not one of my favorite series ever. That Metal Gear. But that's another story. Um, but Judgment is um, about... You're not playing as a Yakuza. You're playing as a lawyer, ex-lawyer, turned detective. And Nathan explained it in his um, 
talk about it because he's playing it too. But the thing I like about it the most is, like I said, you're not just Yakuza. You're an actual detective. And there's detective elements in the game. Like you trail people, you do stakeouts, you search things. There's that dynamic. Um, You also get to have girlfriends in the game, which is very, I thought was very weird when I first heard about it or started seeing it, but it's actually very fun. (laughs) It's very strange, but it's, you, the more you do, you're like, oh man, this is, this is actually really cool. Um, It has the same side, crazy, ridiculous side missions that the Yakuza series are known for. Um, The story is fantastic, like most of the Yakuza games are. Um, I think I've played 15 hours plus into it, and I'm like halfway through, I believe. But there's so much in the game can do. Like there's, we can play old mini games. There's the batting cages. Like I said, there's side missions. um, There's side cases and all this stuff. So I'm just diving into it. But I, I don't like it's. I don't know if I like it better than um, the original games. Like, obviously, Yakuza 0 Yakuza Zero is probably my favorite Yakuza game. One, because it's the first one I played. And two, I feel like the story is the best out of all the games I've played so far. 6 is fantastic. Kiwami is good. Kiwami 2 is good. And Judgment. Judgment lies somewhere in the middle, I feel like, so far. Like I said, I haven't beaten it, but when I do beat it, I will let you know the ranking on that. But yeah, that game has literally taken up all of my free time. Like I go to work, I come back, and I play Judgment. (laughs) That's basically how it's been for the past week. (laughs) But other than that, those have been the three games that I've been playing since we last talked. And now, I know you don't want to hear more about, about the games I've been playing. You want to hear about the news, and I have that for you. This is the Bropinion Report. I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some kind of noise. So this week we have one, two, three, four. Yeah, four stories. One, two, three, four. Yes. Kind of a slow week. But there's some stories that are interesting and some that are um, actually very sad. And I'll probably start off with the sad one first because I feel like it needs to be said. And I'd rather get this out of the way first than leave it for the end. Um, This article is from Polygon. um, And I'll just read it off for you. The police have said that YouTuber Desmond... Itika Amofa died at 29 and Atika is a was a 29 year old YouTube personality who play video games stream uh, Nintendo directs and all that stuff he's he had a huge huge following in the video game community now I'll read this article for you Desmond Amofa the YouTube content creator widely known as Itika has been found dead According to a statement from the New York Police Department, a search for the 29-year-old Brooklyn resident began last week when Amofa was reported missing after posting troubling video on his YouTube in which he discussed thoughts of suicide. YouTube deleted the video citing violations of the site's community standards, but the video has since been re-uploaded by others. 
the NYPD posted a notice on Twitter on June 20th that it was seeking information about Amofa's whereabouts in the wake of the original video. Two days later, the New York Post reported that police had found Amofa's personal belongings, including identification, clothing, a cell phone, and a Nintendo Switch on the Manhattan Bridge. On Tuesday, the NYPD Twitter account posted confirmation of Amofa's death. Amofa started streaming on YouTube in 2012 and became well-known for his focus on Nintendo-related content and entertaining Smash, uh, Super Smash Bros. character reveal reaction videos. On YouTube, Amofa amassed more than 800,000 subscribers to his primary Etika channel um, and goes on to talk about what else he's done. He's apparently was banned um, on the platform for doing stuff... Wait, what was he doing? Oh, he apparently uploaded stuff that was in, um, it was in violation to their content guidelines. But later on in April, Amafa live-streamed an Instagram of conf- of a confrontation with the NYPD. According to a report from Ta- Otaku, Omafa was threatening suicide and was hospitalized. A month later, Omafa was hospitalized again for reportedly assaulting an officer. And over the past months, he has there's been more troubling videos from him um, relating to that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk or bring this story up because I know he was huge in the video game community, at least on Twitch and YouTube, like for Nintendo and stuff. Almost everyone knows who he was or has heard of him. I'd never watched him personally, but I've seen clips of his stuff and all that. And I was reading a bunch of stuff that the past couple of months of the troubling mental illness that he was going through apparently from like other youtubers like jacksepticeye or um i think someone uh, a person from game grumps and other people were talking about him and all that but i wanted to bring this story up because it relates to the video game community and just to bring that if if at any point you are experiencing any kind of mental anguish or um, illness or depression or any kind just know that there's people out there that are willing to help there's phone numbers from for hotlines there's people trying to get a hold of you like reach out to people if you're experiencing any kind of mental anguish or illness because people are there to help please do not hesitate to do that and that's another thing with this story that many YouTubers and video game communities, people on Twitch were trying to reach out to him and trying to help him. And it came to no avail as you can already know. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out and don't forget that there's people out there that want to help you. There's, there's resources at your disposal. So yeah, um, wanted to get that out of the way. Um, jumping into more lighthearted, no, I guess not lighthearted, but more lighthearted than that last story. Um, Donald Trump has issued, um, warnings, I guess, of tariffs to China, but Sony, this article comes from Forbes by Dave Thier. Um, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo send tariff warning to Trump's administration. Now, I'll read the article for you. A new round of proposed tariffs from the Trump administration could have disastrous impacts on the video game industry. 
Console manufacturers Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo warned in a recent letter. Video game consoles and tabletop games are included on a not-yet-finalized list of goods from China that would be subject to proposed 25% import tax. The vast majority of consoles are manufactured in China and would thus be subject to tariffs. Um, the manufacturers warn that a new tax could affect 220,000 United States video game jobs at large and small businesses. Now I quote, Economically, the video game industry contributes substantially to the U.S. economy, and its year-on-year growth is impressive. The U.S. video game industry generated total revenue of $36 billion in 2017 and $43.4 billion in 2018, reflecting over 20% in growth. The industry directly and indirectly employs more than 220,000 people. 99.7% of video game companies qualify as small businesses and can be found in each of the 50 states. Many develop software for video games across the range of platforms from PCs to mobile, including video game consoles that we manufacture, and are an integral part of the booming app economy. The statement notes that, end quote, the statement notes that video game consoles are complex to manufacture and typically sold at low margins, meaning that it would be difficult to move production to the United States or to modify the current supply chain. Quote, in 2018, over 96% of video game consoles imported in the United States were made in China. The video game console supply chain has developed in China over many years of investment and our companies and our partners. It would cause significant supply chain distribution to shift sourcing entirely to the United States or a third country, and it would increase costs even beyond the cost of the proposed tariffs or products that are even already manufactured under tight margin conditions. Each video game console comprises dozens of complex components sourced from multiple countries. A change in, in even a single supplier must be vetted carefully to mitigate risk and product quality, unreliability, and consumer safety issues. Tariffs would significantly disrupt our company's businesses and add significant costs that would depress sales over video game consoles and games and services that would drive the profitability of this market segment. So yeah, apparent a 25 end of the, that's the end of the article. Um, 25% increase um, to import tax. So that um, would definitely increase the um, the price of consoles for the consumer. Um, that's what the article or the letter that Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, and Sony were talking about. That the consumer-based, yeah, a price increase of 25% will likely put a new video game console out of reach for many American families who can expect to be in the market for a console this holiday season. That's 25% increase. That's a lot. So from like a, I'm not great at math, so I'm not even going to try, but 25% increase from say a $300 console. That's, that's, that's quite a bit of money. Um, now there was a follow-up, um, apparently from Donald Trump's administration. Um, he is apparently delaying video game console tariffs on China. Um, this is from Game Rants now. Um, it's a part two article. Um, I'll read this. About a month ago, President Donald Trump's administration proposed $300 billion new tariff against China as part of its ongoing trade war. 
and the Trump tariff was set to tax video game consoles by 25%. But following Trump's meeting with Chinese President... Ah, God, I'm going to butcher his name. Xi Jinping. Jinping? Jin, Jinping. Xi or Xi Jinping. I'm so sorry. At the G20 summit, the U.S. president announced his intent to delay tariffs. Um, let's see. For context, these tariffs could have a variety of effects on the gaming industry as a whole because Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo use manufacturers in China. These tariffs could have a negative effect on consumers, developers, and retailers, manufacturers, jobs, and innovation. However, because of the aforementioned meeting, it is within the realm of possibility that these tariffs are delayed indefinitely, hopefully. China and the United States are now in talks concerning trade with President Donald Trump himself, stating that he would not increase tariffs on China as long as the two countries were negotiating. Trump also stated that the current tariffs would not be decreased and that he would focus on the quality, not the speed, of the transaction. While this means it could be some time before anything major comes of the negotiations, there should be no negative blowback on the video game industry as long as these negotiations are taking place. But the opposite side of the coin would be that if the negotiations fall through, it's not clear as to what would unfold. But it stands to reason that Trump's administration was again seek these tariffs. So, as of right now, since negotiations are going through or are happening with China, there will be no increase on video games retailers consumer base or anything no 25 percent increase at all but if they fall through and it's donald trump now um there could be um the 25 percent increase coming back and actually being in effect so if anything does happen i will update you guys on this story um, hopefully that doesn't happen because even now i don't have a lot of money but i know there's people with less money than me and that could i can i don't even want to imagine what um a price increase would look like for them even now it's hard to afford a game a system now at the current price is at like 300 dollars or even 400 dollars. so that would definitely definitely take a hit on the video game community and industry because people wouldn't be able to pay for these games or consoles at all but yeah, I'll keep you guys updated. Hopefully they'll be hopefully they come to some kind of negotiation later on next week or sometime and I'll let you guys know. But um on to our next story which is um from Polygon again by Michael McWhorter. Game Freak responds to Fan anger over Pokemon Sword and Shield's limited Pokédex. Now I'll jump into the article for you. James, James, Game Freak's Junchi Masuda, longtime Pokemon series game designer and producer, responded to today to fan blowback over Pokemon Sword and Shield and the developer's decision, excuse me, to limit the amount of Pokemon that can be transferred to the game. Musada's Musada's statement, however, doesn't amount to much, and only appears to acknowledge fans' disconnect about Pokemon Sword and Shield's limited Pokedex. In a statement, Musada tells fans he's, quote, read all your comments and appreciate your love and passion for Pokemon, and reaffirmed that the decision to limit Pokemon Sword and Shield to the Galio region Pokedex was very difficult. 
Quote, end quote. Quote again, I like to make one thing clear. Even if a specific Pokemon is not available in Pokemon Sword and Shield, that does not mean it will not appear in future games. Musada said. I keep saying Musada. Masu. I I apologize. It's Masuda. Masuda. I keep saying his name wrong. Anyway, the reassurance. Wait, that reassurance will cold comfort will be cold comfort to longtime Pokemon players who are hoping to see. All 800 plus Pokemon in the upcoming Nintendo Switch game. While developer Game Freak has said that bringing all Pokemon to the new platform and bouncing them for Sword and Shield would be difficult, that hasn't prevented fans who nicknamed the controversy Dexit, huh, like Brexit, from bashing the studio as lazy and greedy, presuming that Game Freak will re add the missing Pokemon in future release of the 8th gen Pokemon game. And here's uh, Masuda's, thank you, uh, full statement. Quote, thank you for all your fans. Thank you all our fans for caring so deeply about Pokemon. Recently, I shared the news that some Pokemon cannot be transferred to Pokemon Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield. I've read all your comments and appreciate your love and passion for Pokemon. Just like all of you, we are passionate about Pokemon and each and every one of them is very important to us. After so many years of developing the Pokemon games... This was a very hard, very difficult decision for me. I like to make one thing clear. Even uh, even if a specific Pokemon is not available in Pokemon Sword and Shield, the that does not mean it will not appear in future games. The world of Pokemon continues to evolve. The Galar, Galar region uh, offers new Pokemon to encounter, trainers to battle, and adventures to embark on. We are pouring our hearts into these games, and we hope that you look forward to joining us on a new journey. Okay. So this is, this is, I get both sides. I get the issue of fans wanting all the Pokemon, because that would be cool. Um, and at least some Pokemon from the older games, and not just newer ones. Because Smash, this is I, probably a bad example, but Smash brought, if not, I think all, yeah, all the characters back from all the previous games. But there was a lot of backlash too until they actually did it. But on the other side, I get why they're not doing that because over 800 Pokemon, I can imagine, is not fun to uh, implement into this game or to these games. Um, and I understand um, um, that they want to introduce a new area and new Pokemon to them. And there's already, I think, there's going to be a lot of already new Pokemon in these games as not obviously not the 800, but it'll be a good amount. And I don't, so I, I, I definitely get that. I don't agree with people bashing the studio as lazy and greedy because that's just, they, those people don't understand how hard it is to develop these games and how hard it probably is to add all 800 plus Pokemon. I, I feel I feel like they should just be happy with getting a new Pokemon game on the Switch and whatever console else is coming onto, maybe the DS or maybe just the Switch, who knows. And again, I don't have don't have those deep-rooted ties in Pokemon. The last one I played was Crystal. And that was many, many, many years ago. So I'm okay with um, the all the 800-plus Pokemon not coming into the, the, the Sword and Shield game. So I'm fine with all these new ones. So I definitely 
definitely don't agree with people bashing the studio for that. Sometimes the the diehard extreme video game fans are real annoying. Like, I get your passion. I get you want what you want in these games. But I feel like you have to understand how hard it's got to be to make these games. Or how hard it is to bring in these things. Or the time and and the 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 time spent away from their families to make these games come out i don't think these or those people understand that and having all this backlash towards um game freak and all that stuff is not going to help at all constructive criticism not like bashing would be would be the right approach i feel like and like you said Hopefully in the future there'll be future games where they add them all, but just not this one. It's the first one on the Switch, so so just I feel like patience is needed and just enjoy the game for what it is for all this new Pokemon that's coming. So that's my thoughts on that. But we'll see what uh, Game Freak does if they uh, eventually or if they like do something to add all these Pokemon, which I hope they don't because that that will probably end up delaying the game. But yeah, that's that's video game fans for you, or some some there a minority of video game fans for you. Um, yeah, um, and then my last story, and this isn't like anything. It's it's big, I guess, but it doesn't relate to me. But I thought it was really cool to mention. Um, this article is now from Gamespot, or not now, but it is from Gamespot by Oscar Deus. Um, Remedy could bring Alan Awake to different platforms, Studio says. Now, if you don't know what Alan Awake is, um, it was a game that came out a couple, not a couple, many years ago, but it, it's almost, I never played it. It's almost like a, I want to say like a, uh, um, a beyond, not beyond evil, um, evil within kind of game or, uh um silent, uh, silent hill kind of but not not as like i guess scary it is but i guess kind of in that kind of like feel of a game horror and suspense and like you have a flashlight and you have to walk around and stuff but i'll, I'll read the article and hopefully it explains it remedy says it could bring alan awake to different platforms the company earlier announced it had acquired the publishing rights to the series which until now had only become or has only come to pc and Xbox 360 from Microsoft. When GameSpot asked, when asked by GameSpot what it, what this meant for the future of the franchise, Remedy replied, "Quote: The only thing we can clarify now that Remedy owns the publishing rights is that we could bring Alan Awake to different platforms if we so choose. We have nothing to announce for now." End quote. Alan Awake is a spinoff, ended spinoff. American Nightmare were both published by Microsoft on Xbox 360 and published by Remedy on PC. Developer now solely holds the publishing rights, though it does not address the chances of a sequel. In past, Remedy has repeatedly stated its desire to make Alan Awake 2, though it's unclear if that, that is more likely now. What is more likely, though, by no means confirmed, is a PS4, Nintendo Switch, or Xbox One port of the existing Alan Awake games, which were released in 2010 and 2012, respectively. We do know one project already underway, a live-action Alan Awake television adaptation is in development. Well, that's interesting. 
The show is a collaboration between Remedy and and movie production company Con- Contradiction Films. Interesting. Um, Remedy's next game, meanwhile, is Control, which launches on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on August 27th. We saw the shooter at E3, and we think it's Remedy's most interesting game since first since the first Alan Wake. That was the end of end of the article. But yeah, I thought this was really cool for one because Nathan really liked Alan Wake from what I remember. Because uh, I never, I don't think I ever watched him play it, but I know he talked about it a lot, being one of his. I don't know if it's favorite games, but a game that he really enjoyed. And two, this is comes not full circle, but also relates to uh, uh, who was it? THQ Nordic um, getting all the rights and buying these games from all these different companies like uh, uh, Reckoning and all that stuff. So things like this to me are cool that these um, publishers or developers getting these rights to these games to either one for THQ Nordic's case, um, remaking these games or um, bringing them to different consoles and stuff. Or in Remedy's case, bringing Alan Awake to the PlayStation or Nintendo, which it wasn't before. This opens the door for more people to enjoy these games for what, for what they were. And I never got to enjoy Alan Awake because I never owned an Xbox. So this would this is this is something cool to me. I'll bet be get excuse me. I'll be able to play this game and enjoy it, even though it's a very horror esque game from what I've know from what I've heard from Nathan and other people. But yeah, a really cool thing. If you like Alan Awake or you have always wanted to play Alan Awake, it could be coming to the PS4 or Nintendo Switch or other consoles that it's not on. But yeah. That is the last article I have. Um, I will say, though, that, like I said before, it was a very news, very slow, slow week. Not extremely slow, but a slower week on the news for video games. But it's also kind of slow on the, uh, the, uh, the old PlayStation blog and the drop with the games that are coming out this week. Um, so, yeah, this is the PlayStation drop. From Justin Massagil. Um, there's only... Oh. Yeah, there's not a lot for this week. Not a lot at all. But I'll jump into it and it lets you know what games are coming out. Um, so the first one that's coming out... Uh, now, this one doesn't have a date. It just says um, PS4, PS Vita, digital, and cross-buy. So it's coming out this coming week, July week for July 2nd. Um, this one's called As Divine Dios. Among the many worlds the deities have created, there is one world that abounds with life known as As Divine. But when a spat of disturbances erupts across the globe, an ever-spreading murk threatens to destroy it, Isayo, the de- deity of As Divine himself, takes up this cause to save the world he created with his own hands. <gasps> it's a very anime-esque looking game. It always reminds me of like one of those anime phone games, but who knows? So yeah, check that one out. Um, next one, uh, called Brain Breaker, coming out on the PS4, digital on the third. Um, are you ready to break your brain? No, not really. 
While the kids are having fun with easy mode, master players can use different re- <laughs> well, like, Wow, that's a f- weird sentence. Uh, master players can use different regions in your brain in insane mode. Choose from hundreds of backgrounds to create your own atmosphere. Playing three different games at the same time requires multitasking skills. Can you handle it? No, I can't. I. This reminds me of a game that came for the. Was it the DS? Yeah. Brain. Brain Age? Brain Age, I think it was called? Or something. It was a game where you, like. Brain games, basically. Where you do either math or puzzles or time stuff or drawing things. Like to get your brain active and stuff. Um, I never enjoyed that. <laughs> I don't want to be doing math and like all this stuff on my video games personally. But if you enjoy that, it's coming on the PS4 on the third. So yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> I won't <laughs> probably. Um, next one. Um, coming to the PS4 digital and retail. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Take part in the next saga of the critically acclaimed Final Fantasy XIV Online with the next legendary expansion pack, Shadowbringers. Journey through the expansive new areas such as, ooh, this name, as the Ratika, Ratika Greatwood, Amog Arog, the second, Meg and Lakeland. Whoa, let me try, okay, I'm going to try to read that again. Journey through expansive new areas such as Rakita Greatwood, comma, Amog Am Am Arang, comma, Ilmeg, and Lakeland. Wow, what is with these names? I apologize. <laughs> Explore new jobs, new races, new cities, and more. Easily, easily. Early access begins June twenty eighth, which is a couple days ago. But yeah, um, I've heard good things about Final Fantasy XIV. I know a bunch of people who play it. Um, I will not be doing that because it's a multiplayer, and I don't really play multiplayer games. But it looks cool, at least from like trailers and stuff I've seen. Um, next one, coming out or on the PS4 Digital, the third, Ovivo. Ovivo. That's a cool name. Ovivo, Ovivo is a memorizing platformer with unusual mechanics where everything is as simple as black and white. It is a metaphorical game filled with illusions and hidden messages. In the world of Ovivo, black and white exist in harmony by consistently intertwining and replacing each other. They maintain balance. And that's the end. It looks like a puzzle game. Um, the art looks cool. It's like a big old dragon and uh, other weird spider creatures wandering around in vines but yeah it looks cool um, next one paradox soul um coming to the ps4 ps vita digital cross by paradox soul is a exploration i feel like this this one's been said before i don't know why this one looks familiar anyway i'll just read it is an exploration-based survival metrovania that takes hand-holding and throws it out the window. Instead of spelling everything out for the player, the only way for Dr. Ali Rose to figure out what's going on in a peculiar test facility is to descend deeper down the rabbit hole and figure it all out by herself. You are her only hope. 
This seems like a horror game to me, and I don't like that. <laughs> um, next one is called, uh, there it is, Scrapper. Yeah, Scrapper. First Strike of PSVR digital game. Um, Scrapper First Strike is fr- is the first episode of the planned five-part VR sci-tech shooter with RPG and exploration elements. It will take the player on a journey through a new IP with fully developed characters, story arcs, and world filled with unique and exciting environments. Oh, it's cool. If you like VR. Um, next one. This one is looks cool. Um, sea of Solitude. Coming to the PS4 digital out the 5th. When humans get too lonely, they turn into monsters. Set sail across a beautiful... Set, wait, set sail across a beautiful and evolving world of darkness and light and discover what it means to be human. Embark on a nuanced on a nuanced and intimate action adventure where players must guide Kay through the, her sea of solitude in this touching tale of darkness and light. Now, this was shown at some event. I can't remember what event, but the lady came out and she was really passionate about it, and it looks really, really good. So I'm excited this is coming out in, at the end of the week, on Friday. Um, next one, uh, Strangers three, Stranger Things 3, the game. PS4 Digital out the 4th. Um, Stranger Things 3, the game is... Stranger Things Scream, the game, is the official companion game to Season 3 of the hit original series that I still need to watch Season 2. Uh, the adventure game blends a distinctly retro art style with modern gameplay mechanics to deliver nostalgic fun with a fresh t- new twist. Explore, explore, solve puzzles, and battle the emerging evils of the Upside Down. <gasps> uh, from the trailer, it looked cool that they showed at E3. Or was it E3? I think it was E3. But yeah, maybe maybe this will be the game that gets me to watch season two, and then season three when it comes out. <laughs> Who knows? Um, the next one. Oh man, this this is the game to get. Tour de France season nineteen, season two thousand nineteen, PS four digital and retail. Oh man, the yellow jersey is yours. The official route in the twenty one stages of the two thousand nineteen Tour de France has been reproduced down to the last detail, and will take you from Belgium to the champ. To the champs, Elise. I probably said that wrong. You can only. Oh, I was gonna say only. <laughs> you can also play online for the first time in history of the series, <gasps> challenging up to three other players in shorter, more intense races. Oh, man! I've always wanted to play one of these games. No, that's that's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you like Tour de France games, I didn't even know they are, they make these games. Yeah. I knew they make bike games, but I didn't know it was a Tour de France game. That's cool, I guess. <laughs> and the last one, uh, Will, A Wonderful World, coming to PS4 Digital and Retail. Um, become a god and help change the fate of people. Even the world in Will, A Wonderful World, you will receive letters written by characters living in urban cities. By rearranging the order and combination of sentences in these letters, you you are you are going to alter the destiny of whomever that wrote them. <gasps> Ooh, that's that's a weird description, but cool to explain what's going on. It looks like a puzzle game, probably of some kind. It has an anime background, which is always a good thing. But yeah, that's that's cool. Coming out 
expected. No, it doesn't say when it's coming out next week, but sometime next week. And yeah, that's that's about it for the PSN drop. But there's also games coming to the Switch. And the PSN drop doesn't say those most of the time. So this is the Nintendo Weekly Switch Picks. And for this week, I have one... Uh, two, and three. Yes, I have three. The first one, this one is a game that I've played on the PS4, and I think is fantastic. The dialogue's great. The the stories are good. But that is Dream Daddy, a dating dad simulator at a price point of $14.99, coming out July 2nd. So in tomorrow, actually, I read the description. Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, is a game where you play as a dad, and your goal is to meet and romance other hot dads. Are you ready? Hi, ready. I'm dad. Ha ha. That's funny. Not really. But yeah, it's like I said, a dad dating simulator. Um, don't be turned off by that if you're if you're not into that. The game is funny. The game is good. The characters are great. I think it's definitely a game to check out if you like simulator games or dating simulator games because this one is a almost like a spoof on it but the story is very endearing very good and it's made by the game grumps and they're awesome so check that out um the next one i have is coming out on the fourth at a price point of waiting for the page to load of Nineteen ninety nine. Um, what remains of Edith Fitch? Now this game came out on the PS4, and I never played it. I wanted to, but I just never did for some reason. Probably because other games came out. Um, but I'll read this here. Explore the Finch family history and try to figure out why Edith Fitch is the last one of her family left alive. Winner of the best game at the two thousand eighteen BAFTA Game Awards, as well as best narrative awards at GDC two thousand eighteen, and a bunch of other awards. But as Edith, you'll explore the colossal, yeah, colossal Finch house, searching for stories as she explores her family history and tries to figure out why she's the last one of her family left alive. Each story you find lets you experience the life of a new family member on the day of their death, with stories ranging from distant past to present day. Oh, that's really cool. The gameplay and tone of the stories are as varied as Finches themselves. The only consistency constants are that each is played by first person perspective and that each story ends with their family member's death that's kind of dark but that's cool i didn't i like i said i always wanted to play this game but i didn't know it was like that like you you go through each characters or each family members and how they died and stuff that's really cool i'm i'll probably definitely check this out you should too i think i think um and then the last game i have um, for this week is coming out on the where is it on the fourth no wait the fifth and this game is called oh, I'll butcher it is Siralim uh, three Siralim three at a price point of fourteen ninety nine and the ultimate monster catching RPG Siralim three 
is a deep monster catching RPG. Collect 700 plus creatures to fight for you and your randomly generated dungeons. Find treasure and use it to craft items, empower your creatures, learn spells, and more. And I'll see the people who are uh, having backlash about Pokemon not having all the 800 plus can just play this one because this one has 700 plus and you'll be fine. But I feel like Nathan talked about this one coming to the PS4, I feel like, I think. Yes. But yeah, it looks really good. Um, like Pokemon-esque, but the pictures, they're dungeons, they're very pixelated arts. Um, yeah, definitely check this one out. Um, coming the 5th. Uh, so this Friday. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for the Switch picks I have for you this week. Um, but if I, if I wanted to play these games really fast, you know, but I couldn't do it because I'm, I'm fast, but not that fast. There's somebody who I could call, not Ghostbusters, <laughs> to get these games for me because he's really fast. Probably the fastest thing alive. That's Sonic the Hedgehog. And this is Sonic Super Fast Minute. Now, for this week, uh, a fun little fact. Nothing too outlandish. But it's something that I find very cool, at least in my opinion. Now, I found the article on Polygon, which we find a lot of articles on Polygon. Um, but I'll read a little bit about it because it's you got to get the context and stuff. So, top... Article is called "How Did Sonic the Hedgehog Become America's Longest-Running Comic?" Gotta go long. Get it? Like gotta go fast, but since it's long, yeah, you get it. <laughs> Here we go. In an era that most mainstream comics barely make it a year before being rebooted with a new number one, a truly long-running series can be a difficult thing to come by. Even Big-name titles like Detective Comics and Action Comics, which have been around in one form or another since the 1930s, technically don't count, as they were both given new first issues when DC relaunched their entire line in 2011. There is, however, one title that has managed to avoid that particular quirk of the comics industry for the past 25 years, racking up 290 issues since its debut in 1993. The longest-running monthly American comic to never be relaunched is Sonic the Hedgehog. Frick yeah. Or at least it was. There hasn't been a new issue of Sonic since last December, the third part of a four-part story no less, leaving readers with plenty of questions about the status of the book and whether it is going to continue. Still, the question remains, how did a licensed comic about a video game hedgehog from the people that brought you Archie, Archie was fantastic, wind up outlasting every other comic, every other series in comics. It is worth noting that the title of longest running American monthly comic that hasn't, that hasn't been relaunched is so specific that it only really exists in a technical sense. That's okay. If you want to expand beyond our shores, Britain's 2000 AD blew past uh, 2000 weekly issues last year. Japan's weekly Shonen Jump has been running since 1968. And if you if you don't really care about the number on the cover, the detective's more or less uninterrupted run since 1937 puts almost everything else to shame. But at the same time, that number 
Oh, that number on the cover does matter. If only because it speaks to the way that American superhero comics tried to strike a precautious balance between le- between legacy and revision. In a world where we've seen DC flagship titles throw a 900-issue back catalog out the window for the sake of a new one, a number one, only to get those numbers back five years later. The fact Sonic was able to run fast <laughs> for almost 300 issues for almost 25 years, outlasting every other title that was be- beside it on the shelves in 1993, is pretty notable. And there's an interesting combination of factors that made this possible. From a purely technical standpoint, a lot of Sonic's longevity can be chalked up to the way Archie's publication strategy differed from its superheroic counterparts. Until very recently, they shied away from the usual sales-boosting tactic of cancellation and reboot that you've seen with other superheroes. In fact, after Action and Detective got their new number ones in 2011, the longest-running title shifted down to Archie. And with that book finally ended at number six, wow, that's ooh, I don't, that's weird. Ended at number six, six issue six hundred sixty-six. That's an odd number to land on or end on. <laughs> to make way for a rebooted Riverdale, it was Betty and Veronica that briefly held the title. And that makes a lot of sense too. For years, decades, even Archie's major strength as a company was the way it used. To, used its long history and seemingly endless back catalog of stories, reprinting them in digest and kept its characters visible in grocery store checkout lines, even as other comics were exiled to specialty shops. If those digests are your bread and butter, then building that back catalog with it within a single series make it makes a lot of sense than restarting it for a short-term sales boost especially if that single series ends up being huge success and exactly what's and exactly what Sonic was because Sonic is always a huge success of course <laughs> one of the most interesting things about Sonic's 300 issues more if you count spin-offs and combination titles like Knuckles the Enchenda and Sonic Universe is that they're primarily the product of very small group creators in the past 25 years, the book has really only had two major writers, Ken Panders and Ian Flynn. Panders arrived at the book at number 11 in 1994, and Flynn, on the other hand, took over the 2006, took over 2006 with Sonic 160, and has stayed on the book in the 10 years since, alongside artists like Patrick Spansnat and Tracy Yardley has he has a gift for long form plotting arranging piece with a grand payoff grand payoff something that was probably best on display in his mega man issues okay regardless of how you feel about the games ending this is near the end now um the one thing you can you have to say for sonic is that he he's always had character yes he has from the moment that his idle animation kicked in and he turned to the player with an impatient look tapping his foot while he waited for you to send him screening around green hill zone there was something that there something there that set him apart from rivals like mario whose personality was mostly limited to jump pretty good with whatever jump pretty good whatever it is that inspires fans to the point where you always google your own name your own name plus the hedgehog and wind up wind up with a truly bizarre oc Mine is, of course, the one being inflated like a helium balloon. Sonic has it. 
and probably has more of it than anything else in pop culture. And that is the truth. I try to explain to people that Sonic is amazing, but they just don't listen. Like Nathan. <laughs> I'm joking here. I'm joking. But yeah, that, I thought that was really cool that Sonic is technically the longest-running comic series in the U.S. that hasn't been rebooted, rebooted at all, which is cool. Um, it's a shame, though, that the uh, video game series itself hasn't been great since... Well, Sonic Mania was amazing, and then Sonic Generations were okay. That was a couple years ago. But the games pre previous to that have not been great. And with this new Sonic movie coming out, it's not a good sign for Sonic in general. Oh, I hope I hope they come out with something good. Oh, and, oh, my bad, Sonic Team Racing, Team Sonic Racing. That's a really good game, too. But that's, that's more of a kart racing game. That's not a Sonic Sonic game. But anyway, I'm rambling here. Uh, yeah, that was Sonic Super Fast Minute. And before I go, I just want to address... The Predictions Championship Belt, I think that's what we're calling it. I want to congratulate Nathan on a almost clean sweep of me. I think it was 6-1 to one that he won by. I was the jobber and he was the top star. But I just want to say, don't be surprised if you're at your optometry clinic one day, Nathan, and you're helping out a patient, and you're checking their eyes, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh no, what's that? And then you're like, what? And then you feel a sharp, impactful pain in your back, and then you fall to the ground, and are non-existent title belt is stolen from you that's because it was me with a steel chair to your back just watch out yeah i said it i'm stealing that belt one way or another <laughs> i'm just kidding or am i who knows <laughs> anyway I do, before I do end the episode, I want to address an email that we got. Crazy, right? We got an email from this person named the Trophy Titan. Huh. That's Nathan, if you didn't know. But basically, he asked, what games coming in 2019 am I most excited for? No games for 2020 allowed. And also... What games have been your favorite release so far? And if I need help, maybe top three for each. But if I have more, I can list them. So I'm going to change it slightly. I'm only going to pick games that officially came out this year. So no games that were re-released for like the Switch or the PS4. Say like My Big Sister or... Uh, um, Final Fantasy 7 or things like that so my first one is on the Switch and that would be Gato Roboto now it's a very simple game I've gone into detail about it 
but you play as a cat in a Samus suit, and it's a Castlevania, Metrovania type game. What more could you want? It is fantastic. It is perfectly simplistic, and it's just awesome. Like, there's, I haven't found anything wrong with the game yet. That being said, I haven't gone too far into it, but it's one of those games where you can just jump right into and continue off where you left. My second game is probably not a surprise, and that's, uh, yeah, we'll pick it. Ninjin, Clash of the Carrots. Now, this game came out, I believe, in May for the PS4, and it just came out for the Switch also. But again, this is another one of those games where it's super simple. You jump into the world. You can jump in whenever you want. But the premise of that game is you can either play as a rabbit or a cat. I believe it's a cat. Obviously, I played as a cat. But the evil overlord um, is stealing all your village's carrots and using that as um, the income or the money. So you guys don't have any carrots. They're stealing it. So you, as the ninjin or the ninja savior have to go and get the carrots back it's like uh the map's like mario like super mario world where you go from one stage to another but the the gameplay on the stages are like waves of bad guys you have to fight while you're moving there's different bad guys different difficulties going on and then at the end you either fight like a mini boss or like the main boss but this game japanese lore kind of kind of japanese setting we'll say characters are good the dialogue is super stupid but so funny the customization i think there's over like 300 swords you can get you can change your mask you can change your um, your second ability like the, your throwing items and then there's like a challenge mode like a wave mode where you can see how far you can get there's different um gameplay um not gameplay but uh um features in the game too like you can play there's the challenge mode there's the main story mode and i think you can play with friends also but definitely definitely a game that came out of nowhere for me and i think that i beat that game in like three days i think pretty sure and then my last one this should probably come as no surprise i mentioned it earlier it's judgment like i don't have to go into detail of why this game is one of my favorite games i played so far this year it's another yakuza-esque game for the same people who made it the characters are amazing the story is always fantastic the detective mode is a new feature that adds to the series the girlfriend mode is great the side side missions with their stupid ridiculous characters and over-the-top stories are fantastic there's even a dlc i'm probably going to get i think it's like a uh a host club dlc which i yeah i'll probably get because this game's fantastic there's a drone mode where you can control a drone and fly around the city this game is great like most yakuza games are as i mentioned before it's not my favorite and it's not even in the main storyline so i guess you can't really compare them but it's it's so good so good but now you also the second part of the question 
his games that I'm most excited for. Still in 2019, not 2020. Um, first one is Mario Maker. I know that the game's already been released, but I don't have it yet, and I hopefully will buy it soon. But Mario Maker, because I've been in a Mario craving mode, um, I really, really want to make Mario levels. I think that is going to be so fun to do. I want to get really good at it, and I want to I want to make those levels that are super that make people super angry and super mad because they don't know how to do it or it's too hard or there's they had to hit one little block and then they could bin it but i want i want i want to make levels i want to see how people play them and i want to play other people's levels too especially the really hard ones even though i'm bad at mario it just seems super super fun for me um the next one that i have um i think i think would have to be probably catherine full body now i know i mentioned like i'm not going to do older games or games that are being re-released but for this part like games that i'm looking forward to i'll make an exception because i've never played the original catherine and this one i think they're adding like a new character so it's a little different but yeah i've i've seen you or nathan play it and it's a puzzle game which i would probably be really bad at but it looks great it's it reminds me a lot of it has the same art style as Persona, which is one of my favorite games. Um, the story is super twisted and convoluted, it looks like. Um, Troy Baker is the voice actor, which you can't go wrong with Troy Baker. And just a bunch of other stuff. I think, I don't know if I fully watched Nathan play it. I, I watched him play some of it. And it looked really hard, but it's like one of those games that it keeps pulling you in. You like you want to know what happens. You want to, you, even though it's really hard, you want to keep playing it kind of thing, you know? Um, the second game that I'm looking forward to, oh, no, no, not second game, third game. This is the third one. And I feel like this one's not a hard one either. Um, is probably Borderlands 3. And I really don't need to explain why. Borderlands series in general is fantastic. It's one of the few shooter games that I actually enjoy, probably because the dialogue's over the top, the characters are over the top, the story's over the top. Um, you will always laugh. Um, there's, what, billions of billions of guns in it. Um, I just hope that they incorporate, like, a better fast travel system in it, because I remember Borderlands... I don't remember Borderlands 1 too much, but 2 and pre-sequel, the, the fast travel system was really unfortunate and really kind of frustrating because you had to go to certain points to fast travel and then you either if you didn't have a car you had to just like walk and jump it became very frustrating but overall borderlands is great and i've wanted to play the newest or i wanted a borderlands 3 for the longest time and they're finally coming out the 13th so that one i'm definitely looking forward to and i'll probably add one more for what i'm looking forward to the most and that would probably be the Legend of Zelda... Is it The Legend of Zelda? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I thought it was named something else for some reason. Uh, again, a game I never played, and this is a remaster. God, is it a remaster? A re... Yeah, re not a remaster, but a... Uh, what's the other word? A re... Remake. Remake. Why did I say remaster? Remake of it, kind of. Um, 
it's in a different art setting. It's on the Switch, obviously, but it's very cutesy and and uh, adorable and stuff. But Nathan always talked about, not always, but mentioned uh, Link's Awakening all the time about the the egg on top of the mountain and not knowing what to do or the volcano and whatever. But yeah, this is one of the Zelda games I never played, and this one looks fantastic. So this is another one I'm looking forward to. So that would be four games I'm looking forward to, and three that I'm uh, that I think are my favorite games so far. And I'm gonna throw the question back at you, Nathan. What are your favorite games? And what games are you looking forward to the most? Just let me know next week. Maybe some of them will be the same. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, um, that's about it for this week's episode. Um, If you guys have any questions, feedbacks, or concerns, you can email us at thebrosandconsoles. Not thebrosandconsoles. Let me rephrase that. You can email us at brosandconsoles at gmail.com. That's brosandconsoles at gmail.com. And Nathan, you can find him on Twitter at IndieRonin. Or I think it's just Indy Ronin. Or you can just find him by Nathan Choquette. Um, and me, you can find me on Instagram at the actual, actual Magic Mike. But yeah, that's about it for this episode 30 of the Bros and Consoles podcast. Nathan will be with you next week for episode 31 with a rundown of the video game news. But yeah, I hope you guys have a good week. And I will see you in two weeks. Peace.